Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are y'all live out there? Amen. It's good to see you in God's house. I always enjoy Baptism Sunday and uh, celebrating life change. Love those days. Um, And I'm excited about this series that we're doing called Running with the Giants. And I've got my work cut out for me because um, I went to New Martinsville to preach last week and left the pulpit to my wife, and she knocked it out of the park, um, talking about finding a place and a purpose utilizing the book of Esther to do that, and she done such a wonderful job. So I've had some people say, you just go ahead and travel and preach. We're covered. I'm like, I get what you're saying. That's all right. If it's going to be anybody, it might as well be her. Amen. During this series, what we're doing is we're looking at some spiritual giants from the Old Testament, and what we're really doing is if they could come and run one lap with us, one lap of life, What would they say? What would they tell us? How would they encourage us? How would what they did apply to where we are? And um, we did look at Esther last week, and this week we're going to look at Joseph. But I want to read our key verse before we get into Joseph. It comes from Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the writer in Hebrews is saying we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, these spiritual giants. And the writer in Hebrews here in in chapter 12, he's actually referring to all those that were listed in chapter 11. If you read the previous chapter, we refer to it often in church world as the hall of faith, not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith, because it lists spiritual giants and their accomplishments and what they did for God and how they overcame by their faith. And so the writer says, because we're surrounded by this cloud, these people that did great things that have gone on before us, we should run our race with perseverance. In other words, we should let what they did inspire, motivate, and encourage us to run our race. Hit your neighbor and say, run your race. And so we're looking at Joseph today, and there's a lot of things that we could pull out of the book of Joseph. I love his story because there's so much that he endures, so much that he encounters on his way to fulfilling the promise that God had given him. If you know the story out of the book of Genesis, Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. And scripture says that Jacob loved Joseph. Now, you know, any good dad should love their son, right? But the problem in the story is, is that Joseph uh, was loved a little more by Jacob than his brothers, if you will. He was given preferential treatment. One of the things that he was given that the other brothers did not have was a coat of many colors, and that coat represented God's favor. 
And, and so his brothers were not happy that, you know, dad loves him more than all the rest of us. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's in your Bible. And so Joseph is given this coat, and his brothers are not happy about it. Go ahead and hit your neighbor and tell him, favor ain't fair, baby. Favor ain't fair. Don't you be hating on me because God loves me and I'm special. All right? That was kind of the mentality that Joseph had because of his father's love. And what I believe we're going to get out of this message is that for anybody who's ever felt like giving up or throwing in the towel, this message is going to speak to you. And you may be here and you're, you're a spiritual giant now, like, I'd never give up, Pastor. But how many know we're all going to have seasons where we want to quit? Life gets tough. It could be financial problems, marriage problems. Could be problems on your job, problems with your family, problems in the ministry God has given you. Could be an assortment of things that go wrong that make you want to check out or throw in the towel. And I think Joseph's message would speak clearly to us when life isn't turning out the way you planned, don't give up. I think that's what Joseph would tell us if he could run one lap with you and I. Now, Again, you may be here, and I don't feel like giving up. Well, you will one day, and I hope that God brings this message back to your remembrance. I can remember being a young minister and understanding that God had called me, which was not something I really wanted. My dad was a pastor. My brother was already preaching at that time, and I I had it on my mind. I'm going to make a lot of money and support the church. That, That was kind of my mindset. Uh, I'll, I'll pour into it. I'll give my time and give as much money as I can. That was my mindset. And I can remember God calling me and, and I was shocked that he called me because I thought he would leave me alone. Like you already got dad, you got my brother, why me? And I wrestled for a long time. And when I came to grips with the calling that I felt God had put on my life, um, I started taking the steps to pursue ministry. One of the first things that I did was to go through, um, our denomination has uh, an internship, a program, college level that you go through to uh, be ordained and to get started. And, and I can remember showing up at the first uh, session, and I showed up, it's on a Saturday morning, and I showed up, and I, I've got this fire, y'all, like I, I'm a burning desire, I'm going to change the world. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to, uh, you know, I prayed prayers. God send me to, little did I know when I prayed, God send me to Africa that we would one day rescue an orphan from Africa. I, I prayed those kind of prayers. God, what, whatever you want to do with me, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go anywhere. So I had this passion, this calling that was burning inside of me. And the first session of, of this internship, this, this class, the instructor stands up. And the first thing he says is, if you can do anything else with your life and be happy, run. Now, at the time, I thought, man, this guy's lost his mind. Does he not know the calling and the desire and the passion that I have to do great things for God? I can't believe he just said that. Fast forward 20 years later, he was absolutely right. There have been a numerous amount of times that I wanted to quit throw in the towel. God, let me go make money. I'll support the church. Like, you know, I'll be there every time the doors are open. There have been times and seasons that I wanted to throw in the towel and quit, but it's during those times, those seasons, that I have to remind myself that what God is doing in me is greater than anything out here. And I think Joseph would tell us that. 
that, that what God is doing on the inside of you is greater than what you're going through. I believe that if he could run one lap with you, he would tell you, don't give up. Genesis 37, verses 5 through 7. We're going to look at a little bit of his story here. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. All right, they already hated him because he had a coat and favor and daddy's love. Now he's got a dream, and they hate him even more. It says, he said to them, he's going to tell them the dream. He said, listen to this dream I had, brothers. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. Now, <laughs> you, just, you can't just read the Bible. you got to read the Bible. I'm thinking of me and my brother and how competitive I was. I can only imagine if I told my brother, hey, buddy, I'm going to do great things and you're going to bow. How many of that ain't flying? Like, that, that ain't flying. And, and so it created this, this sibling rivalry, okay? Now, if you get, drop down in the same chapter and read verses 19 and 20, it says, here comes that dreamer they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now, we've all had sibling rivalry. If you, unless you were a single child, a single child growing up, you've had sibling rivalry. And, and, but I doubt that it ever got so heated that you plotted to kill them or sell them. Like, you probably thought anyway, I, I wouldn't sell, I couldn't get much for them, right? I'll just kill them. It'd be easier. But, but, but when you look at this, that, that's where they were. I mean, you talk about a level of hate, a level of, you know, they just despised him. The ground he walked on, so much so that they said, let's kill him and let's kill his dreams. Now, the interesting part of Joseph's dream was that he really did hear from God. This dream that he shared with his brothers was not you know, him living in fantasy world or thinking, you know, ate too much pizza the night before. This was a real word from God. And, and the problem was, if, if I could pick on Joseph at all, it would be that he should not have shared the dream with his brothers at this time. It probably wasn't God's wisdom to share it. Jesus said something to this effect. Don't cast your pearl before the swine. It was wonderful that he had heard from God, but he didn't have to share it, but he did. And therefore, they hated him and resented him. But when you look at his life, from the time that he heard from God and had the dream till the fulfillment was about 23 years. How many know that's a long time to wait? Like when you hear from God, you're going to wait 23 years on what God showed you to come to pass. And I have learned that when you are pursuing God's dream for your life, God's promise for your life, God's going to take you through some steps to build character and to build faith, all right? There's some steps that he's going to take you through. Now, I didn't give this to the production team to put on the screen, but it's not going to cost you anything. I'm going to do the short version, all right? I want you to get these six things you're going to have to go through. Number one is a dream, all right? It all starts with a dream. God gives you a dream, and it will require faith for you to 
fulfill that dream. The second step is decision. That's where you come to terms with, all right, God has given me a dream. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to invest in myself. I'm willing to let go of security, whatever it takes. I'm going to pursue that dream. But we are met then, after we've made the decision to pursue it, we're often met with delay. All right, that's the third, delay. And nobody likes delay. Nobody likes waiting on the promise of God. But when you look at Scripture, you find people like Noah, who waited 120 years on the promise. You find Moses. He waited 80 years on his promise. Jesus waited 30 years. Joseph waited 23. And I know what some of y'all are thinking, Pastor, I ain't waiting 30, 60, 90, 120. I got about three days I need God to move, right? We are a microwave generation. We put the hot pocket in, and we're outside the microwave screaming, hurry. Like, like we, 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 we're a microwave generation, but we serve a crockpot God. That, I mean, that's just the truth. And, and the reason being, and I want you to get this, you may be extremely gifted, but if your gift takes you to, to the high places where you're of accomplishment and success, listen, if your character has not caught up with your gift, it doesn't matter how high you go, your character will eventually bring you back down. And so God wants to develop your character to match your gift so that when God brings you to the place he's called you, your character can keep you there. Y'all with me? So we got a dream, we got a decision, we got delay, and then we have difficulty. That's number four, difficulty. On the way to the promise, there's going to be circumstances arise, there's going to be critics come against you, there's going to be people who will not support you, and you're going to have to keep putting one foot in front of the other foot and moving towards what God has called you to, which will sometimes bring you to number five, the dead end. God's cul-de-sac. That place in life where it looks like there's no way out, it's not going to get any better. I've tried everything I know to do. It looks like it's not going to happen. See, the dead end thing, what, what you got to know about the dead end is that God will sometimes allow death to a dream to show you resurrection. Jesus said it like this, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will produce a harvest. So God will sometimes allow some things to die to show you what a resurrection looks like. And then finally, the sixth step in, in God building your faith as you pursue your dreams is that God will deliver you. How many know he may not always come when we want him? We used to sing that song growing up, but he comes right on time, right? How many know that God always shows up on time? Like, it's not always when we want him to, but he shows up on time. And I believe that if Joseph could have five minutes of time with you, I believe he, he, he has about four things that he would share with you. The first is this. Don't give up on your dreams, even if it didn't start out well. Don't give up, even if you didn't start out well. Some of us are defining our future based on what we see. The problem is we're not looking ahead, we're looking behind us. And some of us, we get stuck in history instead of moving in destiny because of an event that happened back here. There's a reason why your rearview mirror is really small, but your windshield is gigantic. is because you should spend most of your time looking ahead, not looking back. Because as long as you're looking back, there's a wreck ahead, right? The same is true with your life. If you spend all of your time looking behind you at events and people who walked out and things that didn't go your way, I promise you, you will never move forward. 
And so you got to learn to look ahead at the things God has for you. Because when God comes into our life, he, he cleanses us, man. He, he forgives us of our sins. He wipes the slate clean. He does all these beautiful things in our life. And, and, and God loves doing that. The problem is, is that after he does all this, this good work in our lives, the scripture says that we have an enemy, an adversary, the devil, who comes against us day and night, accusing us and bringing up our past and bringing up our weaknesses and trying to show us why we're not good enough, why we're not equipped enough, why we're not worthy enough. And he's constantly trying to remind us of our past to keep us locked out of the future that God has for us. And it reminds me of this story that I heard about a guy who visited a pet store. He went to this pet store and he's looking around and all of a sudden he hears this parrot, this parrot hollers at him, said, hey, you, the guy looks at this talking parrot like, me? And he's like, yeah, you, come over here. And, and the guy walks over to this talking parrot and when he gets there, the parrot says, you are the ugliest guy I have ever seen. Well, this guy's ticked off. Like, he's not even, like, laughing about it. Like, you know, I would think that's funny. But he's mad about it. And he tells the owner, like, do you know what your parrot said to me? And he said, I'm sorry. You know, he does that sometimes, and, and I'll try to keep him from doing it. Well, the guy leaves, but about a month later, he goes back to the same pet store. And when he gets into the pet store, that same parrot looks at him and says, come over here. And the guy reluctantly, he walks over to the parrot real mad and he says, what? And the parrot said, you know what? <laughs> Listen, I bring that up because that's the devil's job description. You know, when you entertain his thoughts, how many know? He's like, you know what you did. You know what? You know the mistakes you've made. You know you're not worthy enough. He, he's always speaking against us, pulling us down, keeping us locked in our past. And it's called, when, when we entertain those thoughts, a lot of Christians don't understand. They think strongholds are when someone is demon-possessed. No, strongholds take place in the mind. That's where strongholds are formed. It's when I'm thinking the wrong thoughts long enough that it becomes a stronghold to my life. That's why the Apostle Paul said when it comes to thoughts that I take them captive, right, or, or imaginations, I pull them down. And who better to tell us to take every thought captive and to pull down imaginations than the Apostle Paul? I mean, think about the Apostle Paul. He spent his life giving orders to execute Christians, all right, to put people who made a decision to follow Jesus, he, he was all about killing them. And, and he's radically saved, and, and you got to think about that. Can you imagine how the enemy probably came against the Apostle Paul and said, Paul, don't you mean you killed these people? You're a murderer. But Paul was able to take those thoughts captive. If Paul can get past his garbage of killing followers of Jesus and then write two-thirds of the New Testament and stop you know, coming against the church but planting churches all over the known world, then I think you can get past your mess and do some great things. Amen? You can do some amazing things with God's help. And so Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor 
and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. You know what Paul is really saying here? He was saying, God saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And I think a lot of us today, that's where we are. We don't see the value. We don't see like, like potential in us. But when God looks at you, I promise he sees things that you don't even know yet. Like he sees potential and greatness and possibility in your life. But if we get tripped up, and we don't start off well, many of us get stuck there. And I want to encourage you as Joseph would, don't give up just because you didn't start out well. The second thing that Joseph would tell us is don't give up on your dreams even if those closest don't support you. Joseph dealt with a lot of things, but none greater than the rejection of his own family. I mean, think about it. The two options they had was sell him, Basically, we're going to put him in human trafficking or kill him. That was their plan for their own brother, that they rejected him. They wanted nothing to do with him. And you just need to go ahead and prepare yourself. When you pursue God's dream for your life, sometimes even the closest, those closest to you will not support you. They will not help you fulfill your calling and your purpose in life. And that's difficult because how many rejections not easy to deal with? When we've been rejected, man, it, that, that's hard to move past. And, and, and rejection can take a toll on you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It, it can make you feel like all of your strength has been knocked out of you when you've been rejected. But even Jesus dealt with the same dilemma. Those closest to Jesus did not, re, did, did not honor him, did not look at him as the son of God. The scripture says that there was one place that he couldn't even do mighty miracles. You know why? They rejected him. They dishonored him. They, they gave no place for his gift to operate. They didn't support him. Mark said it like this in Mark 6. It says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him, and Jesus said to them, this is really powerful. He said, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Jesus said, the people that should love me the most honor me the least. And that's difficult. I'm not saying that that's easy, but you need to be able to move on even if those closest to you don't support you. Joseph would tell you to keep moving forward. The third thing that he would tell us is don't give up on your dreams, even if your journey is full of surprises. How many has ever had a surprise in life? Come on, y'all quit lying to me. How many has ever had a bad surprise? Like something you wasn't, how many has ever had a really good surprise? Those are much more fun, right? It made me think of how this journey with God, this walk with God, like, who knew that I would live in, White, in, in Lewisburg and pastor in White Sulphur Springs? I didn't even know this place existed until God called me here. Like, you, you just don't know what God has for you. But one of the biggest surprises of my life was when we made the, the decision a few years back to adopt. And, and some of you know this story. You've been here long enough. But, but we had two sons, and, and for whatever reason, we couldn't conceive. It just, you know, we couldn't conceive, and so we began praying. And after I got saved again, I got on board with adoption, okay? Come on, y'all smile. I'm not saying that about y'all. 
I wasn't lost, all right? Some of you are like, was he lost? No, I, I wasn't lost, but, but God had to get me on board with adoption, and it took about a year. Like, God spoke to Karen, but he hadn't really spoke to me, or I was too stubborn to hear. You, you know how that is. And, and so a year later goes by, and we've been, you know, our boys are older. Things have gotten, you know, you've gotten past that baby phase, and like, car seats and diapers and wipes and even with food they could open up the door get their own sandwich bless god come on like it just it got easier like it was just easier and and so we we made the commitment to adopt and one of my big hang-ups is that most international adoptions are between 40 and 60 thousand dollars and that was just like where are we going to get it you know how's that going to happen and so that was one of my big hang-ups and i can remember when we finally agreed we're going to do this we're on board and we filled out all the paperwork, chose Eden, who is now with us. If you haven't met her, she's beautiful, by the way. Uh, and we mailed out the first check for $5,000. And then two days later, Karen comes in and says, we're pregnant. Are you kidding me? All these years, God, you couldn't like make that happen before now? Now we're 5000 in the hole. Come on, y'all, don't act spiritual. <laughs> like, you, what, what, is this a game? What, what, apparently God knew that I was too hard-headed to have a third child and still adopt, so he waited until we signed the paperwork, mailed off the check, and then we get pregnant. <laughs> don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Right, don't tell me. All right, so I do have four, but, but the surprise is little Everly, who will be two in December, and she is a daddy's girl. Like, it's a good surprise. I'm thankful for all four children. Like, but how many know that, that God's plan for your life is not always point A to point B in a straight line? In God's plan, there's zigs and zags, and I don't know, and where is God all along the way? So don't, don't trip out. When you, when you have to deal with surprises that you didn't account for because God has this unique ability of taking all the good, bad, and ugly and making it work out in your favor. If God has ever blessed you with a good surprise, let's give him a praise right now. Come on. So Joseph would tell you, man, don't, don't give up just because you feel like you're drifting from your purpose. And... and and this is really hard. I did this at 8.30, and they didn't play with me very well. And then at 10 o'clock, after some major coaching, they got on board. But, but we're going to try this one more time, all right, and see if we can get this. Now, I, you got to take your church mask off. I don't want you to give me the spiritual answer, okay, because we get in church and everything. Oh, bless God, holy, and we're going to take the mountains. and No, I want you to respond based on how a normal person should feel if this happened to them. And the way I want you to respond is give up or go on, okay? Everybody got it? Look at your neighbor and say, give up. Now look back at him and say, go on. All right, we only have two options, give up or go on. Don't give me the Holy Ghost answer. I know it's all, we're going to go on, we're taking the world, okay? But I want you to respond as to how a person should feel if this is what they dealt with, all right? Joseph, this is Joseph's life. Number one, misunderstood by his family. Give up, thank you. Not the spiritual answer. Your family hates you, your brothers sell you off, they want you dead. How many know that's a give up moment? That's how you would feel. Sold into slavery. 
Give up. You guys are the quickest crowd. They were screaming, go on. I know what you mean. Yeah, we want to go on. But, but how you would feel? Live in a strange country far from your home. Give up. Then we get some hope. Given favor in Potiphar's house. Go on. That's one of them. Yes, God is with me. Five, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. That's another give up moment. Six, thrown into prison. Give up. Seven, put in charge of all the prisoners. That's a go on moment. God's here. Forgotten by the chief cupbearer. That's another give up. That cupbearer, man, he's a liar. Joseph interpreted dreams and was good to that guy. And he said, when I get out, I'll remember you. You ever made that statement to somebody? When you, when you come into all your blessing, remember me. They ain't going to remember you. They already forgot you. All right? You need to deal with it. That's the world we live in. Number nine, remained in prison two years longer. Another give up. Number 10, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. That's a go on moment. 11, became second in command in Egypt. Go on. Now you say, why, why did we do that exercise? Because when you look, I didn't give you all the details, but if you look at Joseph's life of all the go on moments versus all the give up moments, what you will find is there are more than double give up moments than go on moments. That most of the time, the circumstances for Joseph are moments when a person would want to give up. Because you got to think about this guy. He did everything right. He honored God. Potiphar's wife came on to him, and he fled, and, and he did the right thing. And you know where it got him? Prison. He always did the right thing, and bad things kept happening. So he had a lot of opportunity to say, you know what? This is not worth it. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to quit. And that's the question. What are you going to do in that give up moment? What are you going to do when you got more month than money? What are you going to do when the marriage is bad? What are you going to do when the kids are acting crazy? Are, what, what, are you going to be like Joseph and keep moving forward? Or are you going to give up? I think Joseph would encourage you to keep moving on. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. To be a go-on person, you've got to first become a we-know person. And what I mean by that, you have to know that no matter what you're going through, God is going to work it all together for your good. How many know that God is sovereign? And even in a bad circumstance, he can bring about some amazing things. Joseph would tell you, don't give up even if your journey is full of surprises. The fourth thing he would tell you is don't give up on your dreams even if it takes a long time to realize it. Man, Joseph spent a lot of time in prison, a lot of time waiting, a lot of time wondering if this, this dream you gave me, God, will ever come to pass. 23 years of waiting, and he finally gets the second in command in all of Egypt. He's basically been, been entrusted the entire nation from Pharaoh. He's finally there. He's at that place where everything's going. This is the, the fun part of the dream, right? The fun part of the promise is the fulfillment. But look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Y'all like them next three, right? 
Just be patient. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, just be patient. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I have learned over the years of serving God that God is more interested in developing my character than he is accomplishing my dream. Your character has to match your gifting. Because if your character and gifting don't match, eventually, no matter how high your gift takes you, your character will pull you back down. And so what, what you got to know is God is always developing you. He's always building you into the person that he's called you to be. And I think that if Joseph had one lap with us, maybe we need a couple laps for all these points. But if he had a few minutes with us, I think he would leave us with three, three words of encouragement today. I, I think he would leave us with these three things. Number one, focus on what happens in you, not to you. If you learn that one principle, it will save you a lot of pain. Focus on what God is doing in you. Don't focus on what's happening to you. The internal for a Christian is supposed to affect the external. But for many of us, we, we're, we're, we're still not mature in our faith because the external still dominates the internal. It's because that's where our focus is. You got to focus on what God's doing in you, not, not what's happening to you. And this is going to be tough, but somebody needs to hear it. We determine the speed of God's dream in our life depending on how fast we learn. God is that teacher that when you fail, it's not like, okay, it's over, go home. God is that teacher that will keep putting you in the same test until you learn it. The same situation until you can pass it. So our, our ability to learn will determine how fast the dream comes to pass. Some of you are like, man, I've really slowed mine down. You can slow your dream down. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. Nothing shows you who you are better than trouble. Trouble has a way of pushing what's in you out. Like, you don't know what you're made of when everything's going your way. You know what you're made of when nothing's going your way. Man, y'all are really shouting today. <laughs> he said, it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, I love this, your faith remains strong through the trials. He said, it'll bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. James comes behind Peter and he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's that same word from Hebrews 12, run your race with perseverance. It's the same word. So James says, consider it pure joy when you have a, a week that's bad, a month that's bad, a year. Some of you are like, I've had three years that's bad, Pastor. James would say, consider it joy. Y'all are like, what's he smoking? <laughs> right? What, what's James on? James is on the Holy Ghost. That's who James is on. And, and, and he would say, consider it joy. Listen, when trials are coming against you and it seems like nothing is lining up for you, listen, God is doing something special. You can't grow without being uncomfortable. 
Our biggest problem in the church is we want to be comfortable. But to be comfortable means you can't grow. We only grow when we're being stretched, when we're, when we're enduring trials, listen, when we're getting offended. All those things, if we handle it right, listen, we're becoming who God has called us to be. It's in, I've always thought it's the good seasons, like the at-the-movie seasons when 110 people get saved. I, I enjoy that, and that's awesome, and I want to see that all the time. But you know what? That's not my growth season. My growth season comes from when people reject me and talk about me and criticize me, and I need to forgive anyway. How, how many, that's when you're growing. We just, oh, yeah, I know. I'm going to preach myself happy. All right. I got to wrap it up now. So J Joseph would tell you to focus on what's going on in you, not to you. Secondly, he would leave us with this. Your response to offense determines your future. Joseph had the opportunity to revenge his brothers. And I don't mean like just sell them off. I mean like, he had the power to put them to death. He had the ability to put them down. And a lot of people, especially in the church world, they get derailed by offense. They're not able to recover from being offended. They get their feelings hurt and can't move on. I can't believe they did that to me. And they get stuck in a season forfeiting their future all because, and, and this is some pastoral advice. I'm going to throw it out. I hope you grab it. You need to travel light because resentment destroys. You need to let it go. Joseph finally exposed who he was to his brothers because what had happened is the land was hit. If you know this, many of you know the story. It was severe famine and drought. People starving, but Joseph had the wisdom. He was operating in his gift, and he, he made them store up enough food when in the good season that, that it would last in the drought and the famine. God gave him a vision and a dream, and so he, he was able to execute that. And it came full circle that one day his brothers, who had sold him out, who wanted him dead, showed up in Egypt face-to-face -face with Joseph, needing his help. And the scripture says, look at this, this is powerful. Joseph said this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What did Joseph have and know that we don't often have and know? Joseph knew that his destiny and purpose was not in the hands of a man. So it didn't matter what they did to him. It didn't matter what they said about him. He knew that at the end of the day, God is in control of my future. So yeah, you meant it for harm. I had to experience a lot of pain, but God has brought about a lot of good. I want to encourage you when it comes to offense and offering forgiveness. There's a lot of, a lot of people that do, do not want to forgive, that don't want to let something go. But I want, I want to remind you, 
that Jesus forgave you of all of your garbage. And some of us, let's just get real, we asked for forgiveness, God forgave us, and then we went right back out and did it again and asked God to forgive us. And what did God do? He forgave us of all of our garbage. So the next time you want to hold somebody hostage and pay them back and get revenge, you need to be reminded that God forgave you of all of your mess. You ought to be able to forgive them of their mess. One of the things that I've noticed in the church world is that there seems to be more. Jesus said in the last days many would be offended. And, and I'm seeing a generation of people that are offended. Oh, I'm offended. That's like a, that's like a popular saying. I'm offended. I'm offended. We've got a generation of people in church that get offended for the smallest things and can't get past it. And, and I'm going to say it like this. When it comes to pursuing your purpose and your destiny, there are seasons that God wants to offend you. Yes! I'm excited. He wants to offend you because if you don't learn how to navigate offense, you'll never arrive at your destiny. God does not promote bitter offended people but God will promote people who have grace not only for themselves but grace for others Joseph would say your response to offense will determine your future the last thing Joseph would tell us as the worship team returns every dream has tough times but remember God is always with you now, this is powerful because we, you're like, well, Pastor, we, we, that's kind of a given. Why, why would you tell us that? The reason is because there are going to be times you're going to question, is God with me? Is God with me? Is God for me? There have been seasons of, in my life where I wanted to give up and I question, is God really with me? And this is the part that I really want to encourage you. And I don't want you to try to just hear this with your mind. I want this word to go over your spirit. So if you would, just close your eyes right there where you are for a minute. I, I, I want to speak some scriptures over you that, that tell us God is with us. Psalm 139, it says, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Somebody needs to hear this word today. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jeremiah 1.8 do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1.19, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Even Jesus himself said, surely I will be with you always. Anybody thankful that God is with you and God is for you? no matter what.
Would you stand with me today all over this building? As you stand, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? I want to speak to that person that's here and or watching online or via Facebook. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I'm not in right relationship with God. I need his grace and his forgiveness. I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to make it complicated for you. I'm not even going to embarrass you. But if that is you and you would say, Pastor, that's me, I want to know Jesus, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Throw it up high. Throw it up high. Anyone at all. You say, that's, that's me. I need Jesus. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Anyone else said, that is me. I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I want to know him. Anyone else before we pray? If you're watching online, our team would be glad to pray with you. And I would even lead you in a prayer from right here. I want us to lift up our voices together. Come on, say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate today. Amen. That's what it's all about. Coming into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to do one more song that I think speaks to the heart of this about God's love. And I'm going to ask my prayer team and staff to come forward. If you need prayer today, don't leave without it. We would love to pray with you for whatever it is that you're facing and just believe God to meet you at the point of your need. We believe in the power of prayer here at Bethesda Church. Before we sing this song and pray for folks, can we give God the best praise we have all day, church? Come on, let's give him a praise. He's an awesome God. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.